everyone hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you can't hear me, just yell. It's okay. You don't have to be polite in the church. Just yell. I can't hear you, and I'll try to speak up. Uh, two things. Number one, bam, awesome job this morning. Way to adapt. That was killer. Thank you. Two, if you haven't listened to Rachel's message from two weeks ago, was that two weeks ago? Go back and listen to that on our Facebook page or I think on YouTube as well. Phenomenal stuff. Absolutely insanely good message. We're going back and listen to it. Um, yeah. As, as everyone talked about, we're going to go to Daniel. Daniel is a super weird book. So we'll be honest about that. So to get started, let's start with the story. A long, long time ago lived a man in a faraway land. This man had been transplanted and uprooted from his home and was placed as a captive in a country that was not his home. For 70 years, this man felt what it was like to be a foreigner in the midst of a people, to feel as an outsider, to feel oppressed, to feel conflicted. For 70 years, this man held onto a hope and a vision that one day something new will take place. That one day our land will be our own. Now in the middle of this man's angst, in the middle of his, uh, call it wonder, he was confronted with a deep sense of sorrow and sadness. And for weeks, this man deprived himself of food. He grew skinny with skin and bones, praying night and day, God, Yahweh, please come into our midst and bring your kingdom to us. In the midst of this man's praying, something really phenomenal happens. He's met with a vision. And the vision is scary and conflicting. It goes maybe against what his thoughts were about how God's kingdom would come to this earth. And he's wrestling with this vision. He's wrestling with the tension of what he's encountered. And in the midst of this wrestling, an angel type of person appears. And this angel says the following. Daniel, yo, calm down, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid, because Daniel was afraid at this weird thing happening in front of him. And he says, I tried to come to you sooner, but before I could come to you, I had to fight off the spiritual king of Persia. And I'm only here to tell you to be courageous, that God has heard you, that you are precious in God's sight. And now, I'm going to leave and go fight some other people in some other kingdoms who you don't know exist. That is Daniel chapter 10. And that's what we're supposed to preach on today. I have no idea what to do with a story like this, in all honesty. This is the weirdest story. Well, there are lots of weird stories in the Bible. But the fact that this story gives us these really confusing extraordinary moment and then leaves us with a cliffhanger is an indication that we should dig deeper into what's happening. 
There are theologians who talk about reading the Bible literally and reading the Bible literally. And when you read the Bible literally, what that means is you ask the question when weird things happen, what is actually going on here? What is the story behind the story, if you will? So if we look at the story beyond the story, we begin to find some really interesting things taking place in Daniel chapter 10. So to talk about what Daniel chapter 10 means for us today, we have to talk about a couple of things first. Number one, we have to talk about eras and apocalypses. Number two, we have to talk about mermaids and fairy tales. And then lastly, we have to talk about cliffhangers and something called chutzpah. So first, let's talk about eras and apocalypses. Daniel is a book about eras. It's a book about an era that currently exists. A safety net, if you will, of what I know to be true now. The things that are happening around me from an economic standpoint, from a political standpoint, from a societal standpoint, from a cultural standpoint. It's a book about this era as well as it's a book about a different era, an era that is an anti-era for the era of the day. Now, you could ask yourself the question, what was true about the era when this book was written? And there are lots of arguments that exist around when the book of Daniel was written. We're not going to answer that today. Let stretch the imagination. But if you take the two popular schools of thought, as to when the book of Daniel was written, there is one universal truth. The audience who would have heard this book for the first time would have lived under an oppressive regime. Whether it was under the Babylonian regime or whether it was under the Persian regime, the people who received this book would have understood a deep truth. They would have connected with the central character. The central character being Daniel, a man whose kingdom had been snatched from him, who was living in a place that was not intended for him, who was hopeful for a new kingdom to come and replace the old kingdom. Daniel is a book about eras. Now, we talked about reading the Bible literally. The format that the book of Daniel is written in is two types of literature. Number one, it's called apocalypse. And when we hear apocalypse, we think of, well, basically what happened about 30 minutes ago, except with um, lots of explosions and scary things and big dark visions. Apocalypse in ancient human literature is actually a trope. It's what happens when you have a heavenly being interfacing and meeting with a human being. And so in Daniel, you have an apocalypse. These types of stories were actually quite common in ancient times. There were stories by the Egyptians, stories by the Persians, stories by the Romans, stories by the Greeks, who follow, follow somewhat similar sorts of And so here we have an apocalypse. We have an apocalypse intended to be something about something that is common. So apocalypses are forms of literature where a heavenly being interfaces with a human person, but they're intended to be propaganda. They're intended to be a reminder that the people in power 
aren't actually the ones in power. So you can imagine for people who were living on the outside of power or on the fringe of power, who didn't have the power of the day, how rallying, how connecting, how unifying a story of apocalypse could be. Because in apocalyptic literature, I did not anticipate to talk about apocalyptic literature in church today, but in that form of literature, the deity in, in Judaism, in the ancient faith that we aspire to, that Christianity is rooted in, the deity that interfaces with a human person is always a, a heavenly being who comes to communicate to someone who is outside of the power structure. So Daniel is a book that's an indication that there's something amiss in the current era in which we find ourselves in. Daniel is also a different form of literature. It's an apocalypse, and it's also a different form of literature that is the type of story that is told to talk about the transition of new things. And so in Daniel, you have the forecast of an ending of a thing, as well as the prediction, we might say the hope, of a new thing to replace the old thing. I, quite, I find that quite fascinating. That takes me out of the weirdness of Daniel chapter 10 and allows me to look at the story a little bit differently and ask what is actually happening in this story. Now, before we talk about that, I said we need to talk about mermaids and fairy tales. So let's talk about that. And I'm not going to ruin Disney for anyone in here, but if you ever get the chance, uh, listen to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast. It is phenomenal. He has an expose on a certain Disney story that takes place under the sea. I think we know what story we're talking about. And Malcolm presents a problem with that story. And it's really kind of academic and a little bit weird. And you'll listen to it and you'll say, I don't really understand why this is a huge deal, but it kind of is. His point is that the story that takes place under the sea presents a problem with how the law is used. In that story, you have an evil person who tricks a vulnerable person into doing something that the vulnerable person wants to do, but creates a legal contract that is unfair to the vulnerable person, that is not in the best interest of the vulnerable person. The only way out of the contract is for a miraculous event to take place. And then at the end of the story, that event does take place. And then that person who rescues the person in the vulnerable position kills the creator of the contract. And this is okay. This is a kid's story. And so Malcolm's point is, isn't it weird that a story that shapes a lot of our young minds throughout generations teaches them a wrong perception about the law. It teaches them that the law is a, an instrument to be wielded by powerful people to lord over vulnerable people to control them. When in reality, the law is an instrument of justice on the side of the people who are vulnerable to take out the people of power and claim what is fair and right and good. 
The reason I tell you that story is to tell you that it matters when we listen to stories in the Bible because they shape us in different ways. So this story, if we ask, what is it actually telling us? What is it teaching us? I think you see a few interesting points. Number one, you see that God sees humans. That this God has dispatched an angel or a being of some sort to communicate and interface with a person in a vulnerable position. Despite the oddity of the story, that would have stood out to the audience. This God that we have been praying to for decades, that our forefathers prayed to, this God hears us and is somehow doing something in our midst. The thing is left to be determined. The other interesting thing is if you take into account how weird it is that this angel talks about getting held up in a traffic jam in another city to, to like go to fight club and fight some dude, what's really being communicated is in our circumstances, there is always more happening than what meets the eyes. There is always a, a deeper struggle and a deeper battle. There's always something spiritual happening even when things feel like they're falling apart. So let's talk about today. Because today feels like a world that is pretty much falling apart. When we look around, we see what's happening to our Afghan brothers and sisters. We see countries not just in Afghanistan, throughout the Middle East, who've been ravaged by war, who've been oppressed by violence, who've been displaced from their home. In our own country, in our own backyard, we see the same theme played out in lots of different ways. Violence between brothers and sisters. Hatred and animosity towards people who believe in different political structures. In our world, it feels like something is broken. And I think the message of Daniel would be, there's something else happening under the surface. Something spiritual. And apocalyptic literature would tell us that that spiritual thing that is happening is creating something good. And that's the trick. I used to believe in a faith or in a Christianity. I was in a stream that believed that the thing that was happening was actually kind of bad. That God was just going to kind of like nuke the whole place when he got fed up enough. And it felt like maybe that could have happened a long time ago. But apocalyptic literature teaches us that the thing that will happen is a good thing that will take place. And Daniel specifically, it's the replacing of a system, a replacing of an era, a replacing of a this is the way that things have always been with a this is the way things were always meant to be. A place where pain and suffering do not exist. A place where people in power lay down their power and lift up powerless people. A place where the hungry are fed and the thirsty are given drink. 
where the stranger and the foreigner aren't invited into the back of the room or invited to the head of the table to be celebrated. A place where we lay down our lives so that other lives can be built and created. A place where the people who have had it safe and who have been complacent are activated and passionate about using their position, using their platform, using their gifts, using their resources to create something different and good that takes place in the world. And that brings us to cliffhangers and chutzpah. I don't know if I'm saying that rightly. I, I think it's chutzpah. Chutzpah. You have to like, John, say it really loud. That's it. Chutzpah. Yeah, you do kind of have to like spit when you say it. But I can't because of, you know. Anyway. So Daniel chapter 10 is actually a setup for the rest of the book of Daniel. For the rest of the story. It's leading us to something else. And today we end on a cliffhanger because the story ends in chapter 10 with the angel saying, great, Daniel, you are now empowered. You're now understood. You know that God is listening to you. Now I've got to go and do some other things. And what the angel might be saying is it's time for some chutzpah. Chutzpah is a Yiddish word that comes from the late 1800s. Not sure actually where it originated, but what the term means is a form of audacity. And chutzpah is actually best defined not by definition, but by example. Christians would believe that Abraham was a man of chutzpah. Abraham was a man who followed a vision and walked a path and did something different. Christians would believe that Moses is a man of chutzpah. A lowly shepherd who confronts an Egyptian prince and declares, let my people go or else bad things will happen. That is audacious. The call of Daniel chapter 10 is to be a people of creative audacity. People who don't just get sick and tired of what is, but people who introduce a new is in our midst. People who bond together in surprising ways who break down barriers, who destroy walls, who elevate people who have been vulnerable, who welcome others in to create a new form of being in the world. I believe at my core that God's call for us as people who believe in him is to believe that we are called into action, but not an action of proselytizing or shouting at people with microphones, that's kind of overrated. The type of people who act with their hands, hearts, feet, skills, and wallets. This world, I believe, can be different. I don't think that God has to blow it up. I'm just a person. I don't know God's whole scheme. But I believe that God wants us to be actively involved in partnering with him in the redemption of this world that began thousands of years ago and breaks forth throughout the cracks in the surface every single day in new and surprising ways. So I would ask you to be a person with chutzpah, to ask yourself, what can I do in this moment to live out the call of God by radically 
bring redemption. And don't even make it that, because that feels christian yeah, And it feels like superhero-y. How can you be a good neighbor? How can you be a friend to someone who needs a friend? How can you take a different path from the normal paths and do something in a way that connects with people and introduces a deep truth to that person? The last story in Daniel that I saved till the last, the last takeaway, is that the angel consistently gives Daniel an exhortation. He keeps saying, Daniel, do not be afraid. God is with you. Lift up your head. The spirit and power of God is not something to be afraid of. It is empowering. And I pray this morning for you that you would experience that presence, that the presence of God would not create shame or guilt in your life, but that it would produce joy, that it would produce passion, that it would teach you either instantly or over decades who you really are and who you're really meant to be. Because I promise you this, in the eyes of God, that thing is good.